Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, and we're delighted to be with you. We come to you every week right here on 930 AM, The Answer, trying to answer questions and deal with issues that affect not only seniors, but people uh, across the spectrum. It's a program that we've been doing now for a, a number of years and delighted uh, with Dr. Charles as our co-host, and it is good to see you. Good to see you too, Ron. Happy now, to be here. Now, I know you had mentioned on the air that uh, uh, your mom had fallen, had broken her pelvis. How is she doing? She's doing better. She is home, but she really hasn't, you know, my mom's 89. So we've had a lot of difficulty with her mobility status and we actually have her on hospice now. So. And she lives down near Laredo. That's right. With my sister. So you are caregiving from a distance. Um, yes. Well, you know, we have some, uh, like a provider that helps my sister out and we're going every other weekend to try to be more of a support for her. Well, I'm so sorry, but... Uh, it's it's difficult, but, you know, she's doing okay. It's just she also has some mild dementia, and that's not helping her mobility status right now. So um, it's definitely a struggle. Well, we're thinking about you, and Thank I want you, you to know that. And one of the issues that comes up, not only this time of year, but uh, as we continue with the uh, concern about COVID-19, is whether people are getting the kind of checkups they need, whether they're having their blood pressure checked, whether they're having their A1C for diabetes checked, how they're dealing with lower back pain. And we've got an expert joining us on our WellMed Radio hotline, uh, Alba Balon, who is a family nurse practitioner with South Alamo Medical Group uh, right here in San Antonio, Texas. And, and uh, Nurse Balon, how are you? Hi. Uh, good to hear you. Um, I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm well, glad to hear uh, to be here uh, with all of y'all. Well, thank you. We're, ha- we're happy to have you on board. Uh, you got your uh, degrees in nursing from the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio, now uh, uh, Texas South, uh, Texas Health. You also have a bachelor's degree in modern languages that you completed in Colombia. You were from Colombia. And I was interested in an item uh, in your bio. It says you were born in the jungle and raised on a farm. That sounds very exciting. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely exciting. What was that like? Uh, Sure. Um, Yes, um, it was quite an experience. Um, Of course, I don't have any memories of my time in the jungle because I was a baby. And then uh, we moved to a farm, which is which was not quite the jungle, but it was uh, a very isolated uh, area anyway. Uh, I was raised uh, there till I was 14. I attended a rural school, so that's very different from what people um, are used to uh, hearing regarding school. Uh, we were um, in a school um, depending on the season. Uh, because during coffee season, uh, that's when the um, uh, coffee is picked up, uh, we wouldn't have any school. So our school will go for certain periods of the year. 
And uh, it was quite a challenge. We had to do long walks to go to school. And, uh, but it was wonderful. I learned a lot of things, and uh, that's, uh, that has made me the person that I am right now. And so I I'm see very proud of that. in your bio, you still enjoy hiking. Oh, I do. I do. I enjoy the outdoors. Uh, uh, I go with my family all the time. We go um, to all kinds of activities. We go uh, camping. Um, we do rafting. Uh, we do a lot of things, uh, uh, a lot of things outdoors because uh, we love them. Um, and uh, all my family do, my, my two kids and my husband, uh, we enjoy that. Uh, that's how I was raised. I was raised uh, um you know, and in, in <laughs> and I like that. That's pretty cool. So talk to me a little bit about blood pressure because uh, it, it's a time when, uh, unfortunately, lots of folks are not going into their clinics to get checked out. They're afraid because of COVID-19. And I, as I was growing up, the one line I remember about blood pressure, it's a silent killer. And that is, uh, that's true. Uh, most people won't have any uh, signs or symptoms until the blood pressure is really elevated, which will be around 170, 180. And that's pretty dangerous because it could cause a stroke uh, at any time. It's, it's just a, um, um, a bomb pretty much waiting to just explode. So um, the, uh, right now what uh, we recommend patients is to uh, check their blood pressures at home. Uh, have it done at least a uh, couple of times a week. And if they have an uncontrolled blood pressure or a labile blood pressure, to do it more often. And the goal right now is to have a blood pressure less than 140 over 90. Uh, if a person is older than 65, uh, less than 150 over 90, it's okay. Uh, so that's what we want. Uh, for our elderly, we don't want very low blood pressure. So if it is less than uh 100 or 110 over 60 less than 60 we we really don't want that either so if any of those cases occur either high blood pressure or very low we want them to follow up with us uh we are available by televisits too for those uh patients that are, uh don't feel safe yet going into the clinics we have our telehealth appointments and uh everybody is welcome to to have one anytime so and if they don't have um uh, camera ca capability in their phones, uh, we can do also telephone call uh, if needed. Uh, nurse practitioner Bailan, I, I was going to ask you, uh, you mentioned low blood pressure uh, among seniors could be a problem. I always thought low is good. The lower you are, the better. What's the problem? Uh, that <laughs> that uh, puts them at, uh, at risk for falls, and that could be devastated on a person uh, that is fragile already. Uh, if they happen to have osteoporosis, a uh, uh, um, broken hip can be uh, devastating uh, for their uh, future mobility and independence. So we do want to keep their blood pressures under control, but not too low. Uh, so that's something that uh, it's important to, to take into account, not just high blood pressure, it, also low blood pressure is important. It's interesting. I've seen statistics. Uh, that show that uh, for people 65 and over, if you break a hip, 50% of those are, are not likely to leave the hospital, that it's so devastating in terms of what it causes. And, and uh, yet we do hip replacements all the time. I don't understand why it is so deadly. Uh, well, 
I guess it has to do with the fact that they will be probably bedridden, uh, and that will bring other problems, uh, um, uh, higher risk for uh, pneumonia uh, and, uh, of course, disability uh, that comes with it. Uh, so, uh, so basically, that will be uh, the major concern to be bedridden and, and, and maybe end up with lung problems. Now, if you just joined us, you're listening to Wellman Radio on 9:30 a.m. The Answer. We're talking with nurse practitioner Alba Balon. Uh, she is a family nurse practitioner, and you can find her with South Alamo Medical Group. I'm Ron Aaron with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. And, and Marisa, when you look at your patient population. Uh, do you see falls as uh, occurring much too often? Well, falls are always a concern. And so we do screen for falls and we ask them at their annual, you know, really most visits we'll ask if there's been any falls, if there's any concern for mobility, if they're using their assistance devices, if they need that. and making Meaning sure, a cane or a walker? Like a cane or a walker. Um, you know, so many patients that are reluctant to use those devices, you know, but you see them walking in and they're holding on to somebody or holding on to the walls as they're coming in. You know, um, we often will suggest using uh, some, you know, an assistance device like a walker um, to help reduce the risk of falls because, yes, falls and fractures, especially hip fractures and pelvis fractures, can be pretty devastating. I'm laughing because you described me there for a moment. Yeah. After I had knee replacement surgery, uh, I, I had a walker prescribed, and I figured, why do I need a walker? That's for old people. And so I did the wall thing for a while you know, in my house. But you know what it is with walls? They run out. They do. You reach and a then point where, oops, there's no wall there. Absolutely. And, and so I fell in love with my walker. <laughs> and and it, it wasn't a big deal, right? That's right. It's not a big deal. And, and you use Alba, it when you need it, and you, you may not need it forever. but You see the important. same thing with your patients, Alba, right? Yes, uh, I do. And some of the recommendations that I give to my patients are to uh, keep a uh, light on at night so that if they wake up a little confused sometimes uh, or it is too dark so that they can see where they are at and, 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 and locate themselves where they are and uh, so that they, if they need to go to the restroom, they don't trip and fall against stuff around the house. I always tell them to uh, use good grip uh, shoes and uh, to declutter the house so that there is enough space to walk, especially, especially uh, from the bed to the bathroom uh, because of, you know, nighttime is it's, it's, uh, probably the most uh, risky time for them to be walking around just because, you know, when you're sleepy, your, your full senses are probably not there. Um, yeah, those, those are some recommendations extra that I give to my patients. And dogs at night are a challenge because they may be sound asleep and you trip over them. You don't know they're there. Exactly, and some of them uh, don't live with family members, and uh, if they have a caregiver, the caregiver does not stay overnight. So that's a time when they are by themselves. Uh, so, uh, of course, uh, a fall at, uh, at nighttime is, is really is really dangerous and concerning. Talk a little bit about lower back pain, because it's something that uh, I know every time I, I talk to people uh, about chronic pain, and the Global Pain Association has a website here that deals with a lot of these issues, uh, globalpainassociation.org. Thousands and thousands of people complain about lower back pain. Yes, that's actually one of our most common complaints. Uh, there are days that we can have 
five, six people coming in with low back pain. Uh, what I always uh, tell my patients is that most of the time, if there is no known, known injury, if there hasn't been a fall or anything that they can identify, it's usually a benign pain. Uh, we uh, usually prescribe them, you know, uh, anti-inflammatories. Uh, sometimes, depending on the severity of pain, we can give them muscle relaxants or uh, or uh, steroids. Uh, but um, uh, and usually they do pretty good uh, with that. However, the, if there are alarming symptoms uh, such as you know radicular pain uh, that is extremely severe or a weakness of the extremities. Um, if they feel like uh, incontinence of any kind of what I call subtle anesthesia, which is a, a numbness feelings in the uh, um, perianal area, uh, those are uh, concerning signs. In that case, uh, of course, imaging uh, will be uh, will be a good thing to do. All right, now uh, hold we that. don't do that for low back pain uh, on a routine basis, but depending on the seriousness of the, especially if there is a known injury or a previous history of a herniated disc or any kind of uh, back uh, serious back problems, then uh, yes, we resort to imaging to see the severity. All right, and hold make that sure thought. That We're going to. is not being pressed. We're going to come right back to you. Dr. Shells had a quick comment, and then we need to do a little business. No, I was just, uh, it was time to break. It's fine. Oh, that's <laughs> so, cool. So sorry. Wow, no, she was giving me a break sign. That's good. <laughs> Look what you have learned about radio. I have learned some wow. about radio. We're moving, we're moving ahead. We are. You're listening to WellMed Radio. Now I have two producers in the studio <laughs> at 9.30 a.m., The Answer. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, rock. We're gonna rock around. That is so cool. Out of the Bumper Museum, we have brought ourselves a new Bill Haley and the Rockets. Thank you very much. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, is with me as we talk about not only blood pressure, lower back pain, but other issues that uh, folks are experiencing. And nurse practitioner Alba Balon is with us on our WellMed Radio hotline. She's with South Alamo Medical Group. Before we go uh, back to Alba, I want to pick up on something she had said about radiated pain. I'm not sure what that is. Sure, radicular pain. So Ridicular. Ridicular Because I had a ridiculous saw once. <laughs> no, it's not the same. So, um, yes, she was talking a lot about low back pain and all the things that you need to watch out for that could be dangerous, and one of those being radicular pain. So this is like numb pain, um, nerve pain, numbness, tingling, burning that you can get sometimes down a leg. Um, sometimes down into the toes um, that can be coming from the lumbar spine. And I'll have patients that come in with aching and pain 
say in the in the side of the leg down low and um they're so convinced that there's something wrong with you know the leg down low and it turns out to be all coming from the lumbar spine. We used to so, call that radiated pain. Yeah, it's the same same, same root idea. word, same idea. Yes. And the other thing that uh, Alba mentioned that, that I was curious about is sleepy butt. If you feel as if you're numb there, your butt's gone to sleep, what is that? <laughs> well, she's, what she's talking about is um, what we call saddle anesthesia. So if you can imagine if you're sitting on a horse, the parts of your body that would be touching the saddle. So I'm doing that right now. Imagine that. Yeah. So it's the groin. It's, you know, the perianal area. Um, so that can also be a dangerous sign when it comes to low back pain that has that particular thing associated huh. with it. Um, that would be a, another, what we call a, a red flag. Um, some reason why we may need to do imaging sooner than others. And Alba, what would you think that uh, a sleepy butt is caused? What's causing that? Uh, well, um, if there is any uh, um, part of the spine that is being pressed, uh, uh, if there is a slight disc, a sliding disc or a, or, a, or a herniated disc and it's pressing mm. on the spine, of course, uh, that can uh, send a, a, a pain signal down the down the leg or uh, well. All the directions uh, of the uh, nervous system, basically from that part of the injury down. I'm going to come back to where we began, which was blood pressures, where we began in, in, in talking uh, to you today, uh, because as someone who's done a lot of these shows, I'm always uh, troubled by, because I don't really understand it, the relationship between the kidneys and blood pressure. I just don't have that down. Sure. So, um, you know, the the... High blood pressure, when you have blood pressure that's elevated for a very long period of time, can start to affect the kidneys. You want to think about the kidneys as a filtration system. So if you've got very, very fine filters and blood that's being pushed through these filters at a very high pressure, very high rate, you know, imagine a hose and a coffee filter. If you really push that... You blow a hole in it. You blow a hole in it. So you start damaging the very, very small um, cells that make up the kidney. And so over time... Elevated blood pressures can lead to kidney disease oh, okay. and, and kidney dysfunction, if that makes sense. So not controlling blood pressure in that instance would be a really bad thing. Right. That's one of the reasons why we also watch out for high blood pressure and why we want to make sure that blood pressures are well controlled. Now, it can get, you know, you can get into more um, in-depth situations where you can have, like, if you don't have good blood flow to the kidney, sometimes that will cause the blood pressures to go up. So it's kind of a cycle. But... Um, the biggest thing that I relate to with kidney loss of kidney function associated with the high blood pressure is that damage that happens in the actual kidney. Now, I know some folks uh, are adamant in, in believing uh, that diet and uh, nutrition and exercise can control blood pressure, that uh, you don't need to go to medication. Uh, you can do it yourself. Um, and Pialba, do you want to talk about that? Uh, yes. Well, that. That can be true uh, to a certain way. Um, so basically, uh, the healthier you eat, uh, the better your blood sugar is controlled, the better your blood pressure is controlled. Uh, if you exercise, you uh, burn the extra fats in your body. 
so uh, your metabolism in general is better. Your health is better. Of course, that, in- that includes, you know, blood pressure. Uh, so, yes, it has a lot to do. However, uh, we need to remember that there is a hereditary component also on the blood pressure. So uh, some people may... Uh, need the medication regardless of uh, how well uh, they do on their diet and, and how much they exercise. I agree. That's true. Now, we know that obesity and, and morbid obesity in particular is associated with higher blood pressures, and many people, when they lose a significant amount of weight, are able to get off of medications. Um, but we do have, like uh, NP uh, Alba says, some patients that have it as a familial um, condition and will need the, the medication regardless of their weight. One of the other things that, that I've uh, read about, and, and Alba, you probably know about this as well, as I'm sure Dr. Charles does, uh, if you do lose weight and you need to lose weight, if you've been struggling uh, with acid reflux, losing that weight may solve that problem. Uh, it, 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 uh, I don't know if it will solve it. It depends because it, it, it has a variety of uh, uh, components, but uh, but it, it, it may help a lot because uh, what happens is with acid reflux, uh, the cardiac sphincter uh, may be uncompliant. So when, uh, when uh, there is a lot of weight and a lot of fat in the abdominal area uh, or Coming with that as well is that people that are obese uh, many times tend to eat more than that uh, food and, and, and all that extra tissue in the abdominal area puts a lot of pressure on that cardiac sphincter and makes the, uh, the acid uh, go up or reflux back to the esophagus. And then, of course, the symptoms of acid reflux come. Uh, and, and yet... Because we are such a country and a people dependent on medication, uh, so many different medications that are prescribed for acid reflux almost all over the counter now, uh, which you take, I guess, forever. Do we know what the long-term impact is taking those particular medications that turn off those little acid spouts in your stomach? Because they're, they're there for a reason. You need the acid to help digest food. Absolutely. The, you so know, that's like stomach 101 from me. <laughs> right. So, you know, we talk about medicines called proton pump inhibitors, which is like your Nexium, your Omeprazole, your Prilosex, all those medications. Um, there, there's a balance there because we do have some patients that start taking the medication and continue taking it indefinitely, even despite not having that many symptoms anymore. Um, we have found that taking that class of medication for extended periods of time can cause some complications. For example, you know, anything that you can think about that in, that you need, um, you know, for example, anemias, you can see osteoporosis because you're not absorbing the, uh, the calcium. You can see, um, even issues with kidney function, um, from taking that class of medication for an extended period of time. Really? And yes, the acid does have a job to do. It helps digest your food into its smallest particles so you can absorb them. So, um, it's not great to take that class of medication indefinitely with a caveat that there are some patients, for example, if you have a very, you know, uh, um, what we call a hydrohernia, which is a defect in your um, stomach where your that sphincter that uh, NP Alba was talking about doesn't close all the way. And so in those patients, sometimes, yeah, you have to take that proton pump inhibitor for extended periods of time. So it just really yeah. depends on on the condition. We don't want you to be in pain, but at the same time, 
if you don't need that medicine, it's better not to take it. But the patient says yeah. to you, if I stop taking it, I'll need it. So why should I stop? I know I'm going to need it. So I'm going to keep taking well, it. Well, uh, actually, uh, whenever I encounter that with my patients, I, 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 I like educating them a lot on the importance of uh, the lifestyle. Uh, so uh, decreasing alcohol decreases uh, the acid reflux. Uh, if they uh, remove certain things from their diet, like spicy foods, uh, um, things that are very acidic, like tomato uh, uh, or um, a lot of fat in their diet, uh, that also contributes to lower the amount of acids and, and it helps improve acid reflux uh, without the need of a medication. Uh, also, I tell them, um, try to sleep with the high pillow. Uh, it helps to decrease uh, the blood reflux at, at night, uh, not to eat very late, uh, hopefully uh, not after six, uh, because that helps uh, for you to digest before you go to bed. Uh, going to bed with a full stomach uh, obviously will cause uh, acid reflux. So those things are important to take into consideration when, when, when you want to decrease the amount of acid reflux. Um, so uh, the pill is not always uh, the solution. Uh, there has to be also some lifetime modifications that patients do to uh, help improve their health. Well, sometimes, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Dr. Charles, you were going to... You no, know, I was just going to say sometimes I'll also tell them to just take a little holiday from the medication. You know, take, you know, if you can skip two, three days, see how you feel, or a little longer That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. And quit smoking. Quit smoking. If you're smoking. That's true. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. So thanks so much, uh, Nurse Practitioner Balan. We really, really enjoyed talking with you. You take care. Thank you for inviting me. Bye-bye. You guys take care. Bye-bye. You can find her at the South Alamo Medical Group. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, thanks for joining us on WellMed Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.